G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, if you've been following international news headlines, you'll know that freedom is fast evaporating in Hong Kong. In a treaty signed in December 1984, China agreed to one country, two systems, under which the social and economic systems in Hong Kong would remain unchanged, and so would the lifestyle of the people. But right now, rights and freedoms, including those, the rights of persons, of freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of assembly, freedom of association, of travel, of movement, of correspondence, of strike, of choice of occupation, of academic research and of religious belief are being removed in Hong Kong. The new national security law in Hong Kong has wide-reaching consequences. Of course, you'll be aware last week Prime Minister Scott Morrison angered the Chinese, announcing that Hong Kong passport holders could be given permanent residency in Australia. The Chinese, of course, reacted with a number of measures demanding Australia stop interfering in China's internal affairs. Well, let's talk China, Hong Kong and freedom with Terry Kelleher, the national president of the Australian Family Association, who's been monitoring these movements, writing about them this week. Terry, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for having me. Terry, you're in Melbourne, and uh, writing is a very powerful thing because uh, there's a few things that you can't do in Melbourne right now. I know you're not in a lockdown suburb, but uh, just give us an insight into into how you're feeling in Melbourne and and the fact that you've got at least an ability to express yourself by writing. Um, well, that's certainly true, Neil. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. But, um, you know, people who are in the lockdown suburbs, certainly it's uh, very, very harsh for them. Uh, life goes on more or less as usual if you're not, but then if you have to, you know, if you have to travel through those areas, you could certainly um, find that you were stopped and asked, you know, what, what your purpose is. So it's a little bit, um, yeah, a bit strange at the moment. I'm sure that does feel very strange for those who are outside of Melbourne and uh, increasingly we may see this developing in New South Wales as well as things continue to develop there. But hey, when we talk about freedom, it's one thing to be stopped and checked for coronavirus, uh, but it's another thing when you have all of those freedoms evaporate that I mentioned in an introduction. Of course, the catalyst that led to the protests that have been going on in Hong Kong uh, attempts by China to enact a law that would allow people in Hong Kong to be extradited to mainland communist China for trial. And, of course, those uh, those challenging protests have been going on for a long time. You've been following all of this. It's just getting hotter and hotter, isn't it? Well, it certainly has, and I think it's come to a, it has already come to a, a breaking point, really, um, because the new security law actually removes what was promised to Hong Kong and that is that they would have um, certainly legislative independence and um, that they would have the power of final adjudication. So what's happened is that the law 
has now decreed that if there are suspects of the offences under the new security law, that is of separatism, succession, terrorism, colluding with the foreign power, that the um, suspects can be removed to mainland China. So the investigation and the trial would take place under mainland Chinese law. Now, that is not what was guaranteed to Hong Kong. And you did say that, you know, it is true that China has said, and, you know, fair enough, and the nation would say, well, don't interfere in our internal affairs. But this is not just a matter of internal affairs. This was a UN treaty. It's been lodged with the UN. That is the Sino-British Treaty. And they promised these things. And that these laws and that Hong Kong's system would remain unchanged for 50 years. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it would change after 50 years, of course. I thought, well, there's room to you know, negotiate then as to what will happen. But for at least 50 years, until 2047, Hong Kong was supposed to have been guaranteed that their system would remain unchanged. And that's a public treaty, so it is a, a, of concern to, to the world. It's a concern to the world. It's also an insight, isn't it, Terry, that this is the way a socialist, communist dictatorship is a law unto itself. And so you've got this clash between what we've seen as the communist dictatorship in China and what was a capitalist, free market style economy in Hong Kong. And they don't mix very easily. Well, they did, and they managed to get on quite well. They have done for 20-odd years. Um, But now it seems to be, I'm not sure why China sees the need. Maybe its plan is that it does wish to um, extend its power and always had that in mind. I would say they probably did. So Hong Kong, of course, is part of China. Um, Legally, no one disputes that it is part of China. Nevertheless, they have a public treaty, a solemn treaty, where they promised that there would be the two systems until 2047. And certainly since 1997, what is that? Now, what's that, Neil? Give me, tell me, 30 uh, well, years. Well, I think, I think you know, it was, they wasn't it 87, to... I think it was, wasn't it? Or, um... No, that's when they entered into the treaty, okay. but the handover actually occurred nearly in 1997. Yes, so, uh, so, so we're, just, we're more than 20 well years. Ahead of it. Hey, the yes. interesting thing here is that, and it came into effect the 30th of June, the the full text of the new law, this new national security law, was only made public after it had already been passed. What we're used to with our own mindset uh, living in freedom is that these things might be debated. Uh, but in the Chinese context, uh, dealing with Hong Kong, uh, the law is the law. We passed it. Now we'll make it public. A very different way of looking at things, Terry. Well, yes, it was certainly very rapid. And even the um, legislature in Hong Kong, the chief executive, Carrie Lam, hadn't seen it until that day, the 30th of June. So it was introduced on that day and it was promulgated at midnight on the 30th of June. So, yes, it was certainly not open to any discussion or debate or negotiation. They had decided that enough was enough and they were going to have the final say in dealing with the protests, the democracy protests in in Hong Kong. And those protesters that we've seen prominently on the streets in the media, they are likely, as I've been reading a little commentary, around the idea that those protesters may have to move underground because under the new law, as it is being 
framed, uh, they would not be allowed to actually be on the street. You couldn't hold up a banner or a sign. Uh, Anything that is seen to be subversive uh, comes into focus and there's uh, lengthy prison time if you're flouting the rules. Uh, What are your thoughts around just the severity of those sorts of rules and uh, China flexing its muscle, uh, stamping out uh, anything that looks a bit subversive? Well, certainly it's had a chilling effect. It's the Chinese uh, government, the government of the People's Republic of China, that has the final say on interpreting what those offences mean. So what it means, you know, to be guilty of separatism or secession. They have already said that the banner or the slogan that they were using, which I think is um, Free Hong Kong. Where are we? Um, um you know, freedom for Hong Kong, that that is um, subversion and separatism. So if you held that up, that could mean that you could be taken to mainland China and investigated there, whatever investigation uh, would take place, and and tried there. So it is certainly very draconian, and you are right, serious, and they say that it has to be a serious offence under one of the heads of offences, can mean life imprisonment. And as and you say, aiding or being participating could mean up to ten years imprisonment. And as you say, this is not a law that they're enacting that happens within the confines of the boundaries of China or of Hong Kong, but this is a law that really covers everyone in any context all around the world. So if you're a journalist reporting on these issues uh, dealing with China and their uh, their uh, national security laws for Hong Kong, and uh, you decided then to set foot into China, you would certainly be arrested and potentially tried and, uh, and jailed because you're subversive. I mean, it extends all around the world, Terry. Yes, it does. That's why, um, you know, I describe it as a the bamboo curtain. Um, certainly it, it does to acts that take place outside of um, Hong Kong, but also to persons who are not residents of Hong Kong from outside of Hong Kong. So it is really very wide-ranging. Let's talk briefly... So you wouldn't want to set foot in, in Hong Kong. I wouldn't want That's to, right. even writing articles, if they're picked up, exactly. well, I wouldn't set foot in Hong Kong. Exactly. Let's just focus for a few moments on the Belt and Road Initiative. And this has been a initiative the Chinese have been reaching out into all different parts of the world, including what's been quite highly publicised, uh, the dealings with Victoria. Uh, but uh, more than just enhancing regional connectivity, uh, which is what the whole uh, marketing process of that is, and embracing a wider future, there's certainly some sinister implications for those who are connected with that Belt and Road Initiative. Yes, it's certainly extending Chinese influence, and it's um, you know these uh, agreements they're reaching have been described as debt traps. You know they're not going to forgive debt if if a country cannot repay, um, and that's occurred, and therefore they get the asset. They own the port in um, Hamban Boater, I think it's called, in Sri Lanka. Um, I mean, this is just meaning that they're extending their influence and their assets, and it's quite strategic where they're doing it, to give them um, a foothold that is actually, you know, Chinese-owned. And we certainly here in Victoria, we don't know what the details of the agreement that um, our Premier has entered into. It's quite, um, quite concerning. Uh, Very concerning, I should say, quite. Uh, Terry, is that because that that agreement is quite a secretive agreement? Is uh, because yes. there's yes, 
so that would be uh, sounding the alarm bells, not just for Victorians, but for all Australians uh, who are concerned about freedoms and concerned about uh, keeping uh, at bay those forces that would want to try and control, not only within their own country, but controlling elements around the world. Uh, we ought to be concerned, but I wonder whether you've got any thoughts on what you do about that concern. Is there action that ordinary people can take? Well, at the moment, we're very concerned for the uh, pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong. Um, We have um, connections here with people from Hong Kong, and we're very concerned to support them. That's an immediate thing. And, you know, if if you want to be able to support those people and send messages of support... You can, um, you know, go to the AFA website because if you join, then you get on a, you're on our Action Alert newsletter and therefore you will get um, detailed information about what's going on. But we're, at the moment, we're waiting on some advice on the operation of the law in regard to that, but we have been sending letters of support. Um, in, we're very concerned about freedom, you know, under communist governments and regimes and have been for decades, you know, since the old Soviet Union. And at that time, our sister organisation, the National Civic Council, did organise to send letters of support to prisoners of the Soviet system. And years, years later, we had feedback on how much that meant to those prisoners, just coincidentally that they said it meant that they were treated better in jail, um, they were given more food. Uh, they knew that the world, the eyes of the world were on them, and that does give some support, even in, in prison. So if you can follow what I'm saying, this is what we're doing immediately. Apart from that, of course, we've commented on the Belton Road. We'll continue, continue to do so and to ask for more details. And I think that's got to be play out now between the, you know, the federal government and the other states, because I think that it's isolating the government here in Victoria. It has to play out, because this is not just a matter of um, trade, it has uh, political implications, and therefore we have to look at it as a federation, a nation. And as you say, one of the best things you can do is draw attention to the uh, imbalance there and to draw attention to those things that are happening that the Chinese are implementing in Hong Kong and therefore around the world and their own influence here in Australia because uh, they do like to save face. Uh, They've been very... Uh, critical of Australia has been speaking up on some of these issues but we need to keep raising the issue loudly some people might say Terry Australian Family Association why would the Australian Family Association be interested in international geopolitical issues like what's going on between China and Hong Kong but freedom is one of those things that often as Christians we are deeply concerned about give us some insight here into your own interest as the Australian Family Association on those sorts of developments and Australia's connection here yes well freedom freedom of expression freedom of thought they're fundamental freedoms and they are closely related to the freedom of religion you know, um, our view is just we should stand with the people of Hong Kong for those freedoms or who should support us over our, um, when we stand for us in our battle for freedom of religion. It's, uh, well, if you don't support them, well, why should you expect others who don't necessarily share our religion, but to see it's a fundamental freedom and freedom of expression and freedom of thought are closely aligned to the freedom of religion. That's what it's all about. You cannot express what you believe, what you think, 
then you have no freedom and you don't have freedom of religion. So I think they're closely aligned and, and I think that um, also one of the things is, of course, that you know, freedom of religion, as you read out, it was guaranteed in the treaty, in the UN treaty between the Chinese, China and, and the UK. And that's certainly, you know, if people want freedom, they want to be able to express their freedom because they're Christians in Hong Kong, and we do know Christians from Hong Kong, well, their freedoms are being sat on. So it is certainly a matter of concern to us that um, it is closely aligned to freedom of religion. And, of course, the way that these sorts of movements permeate into a society, very significant that these national security laws uh, came on the back of uh, what were the national anthem law, uh, made the insulting of China's national anthem a crime punishable by uh, stiff, heavy fines or uh, even imprisonment. And, of course, last month's schools in Hong Kong were ordered to display the Chinese national flag and sing the Chinese national anthem uh, during special occasions. So there is a there is a way that the Chinese uh, communist regime uh, wants to be able to implement its power and uh, will do that in whatever way it can. Yes, yes. So, um, Article 10 of the National Security Law requires that schools raise awareness of national security and the obligation to abide by the law. And, you know, this is thought control, not education. So it's actually, you know, embedded now in the school system. It's an obligation under Article 10. Um, you know, so it's, it's a bit similar to our opposition to programs such as Safe Schools and like programs, you know, that are pushing fluid gender theory in schools. They're going to be they're going to be indoctrinated in what national security means. And I know in China. I know, Terry, you are passionate about those sorts of issues. And for listeners, uh, they'll know that uh, my next guest is going to be continuing that sort of conversation along those lines. And I know, Terry, uh, you would have lots to say with regard to that. But uh, we'll keep our comments to Hong Kong today. But, Terry, uh, for people to get some more detail, uh, the Australian Family Association, uh, the website for that is uh, just quickly remind me of the Australian Family Association. Um, website? It's family.org.au. Okay. Very simple. <laughs> family.org.au. Dot org, dot and uh, you mentioned your sister organisation, the National Civic Council, uh, ncc.org.au. Yes. And uh, I know listeners are often looking to find more resource uh, when these thoughts of, sorts of thoughts are sparked uh, in conversations like these. Terry Kelleher, always appreciate your sound insights into things that are developing and uh, want to appreciate uh, your contribution to 2020 today. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.